Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Hello and good afternoon, Pagan Tonight Radio listeners. This, oh wait, it would help if I had my script where I could read it. <laughs> I'm Michael Grable, artist, traveler, all-around geek, witch, and brother initiate of the Unnamed Path, and I'm actually the only host on right now. <laughs> my Matthew may call in a little bit later. He said he was going to try, and I'd message Chase about coming on just in case Matthew wasn't able to make it. So hopefully they'll call in in a little bit. But right now it's just going to be me. And looks like my our uh, fellow brother initiate, uh, Buck Agios, for the beginning of the show. But let me go ahead and do the rest of the intro. You are listening to Walking the Unnamed Path. On this podcast, we discuss the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late founder, Hyperion. We also touch on topics and ideas pertaining to queer pagan men in general. Uh, we're glad you've decided to join us, and we hope you'll be part of the show, either by calling in at area code 347-08-8222. I would say hang out in the chat room, but I, my computer just won't load it for some reason. Or you can drop us an email at walkingandmainpath at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at walking underscore the UP. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walking the unnamed path. And if you're a little confused by the new start time, you know, we have, we have reasons for the new start time. <laughs> I have a new job, and our old start time at 2 p.m. Central Time actually fell right in the middle of a shift. So that wasn't going to be able to work for me. And Matthew agreed that moving this show back would be good. So that's why we are now going to be starting at 7 p.m. Uh, at the moment, we are still on, you know, today, on Saturday, but we may see about maybe moving to a different day because Matthew has some issues being able to make it. He's going to have some issues being able to make it every Saturday. So, you know, we're, it's still a work in progress, you know, but we are going to you know, continue to do these shows for our community, for our brothers, and yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that at the moment. I mean, I keep having to switch to tabs to make sure anyone's called in. But joining me today is our brother, our fellow brother initiate, Buck Obvious. Buck is currently living in uh, Melbourne, Australia. He sent me a bio, and I'm not sure. I'm going to butcher some of these words, so I'm going to skip the ones I can. But uh, Buck has been called to the craft for over 20 years. He is an initiated brother of our, our tradition and is now continuing his teacher training to be able to further the tradition in Australia, which is amazing. I'm so happy you're doing that, Buck. Buck's craft practice is often ecstatic and he works mostly in spellcraft, instance making, herb craft, spirit journey work sex magic, and trans divination. Buck began his work bringing the Australian queer pagan community together in 2011 and went on to form Queer Pagan Men Australia. Uh, queer Pagan Men Australia 
regular meetups and events in three major cities across Australia. The main focus of this group is to provide a safe space of learning, networking, and empowerment for gay, bi, trans men exploring pagan paths. In 2018, Buck launched the first Roots and Bones event, which he came on the show and talked to us about. If you haven't heard that episode, I will link it on our page in a little bit. This is a series of workshops and rituals presented by teachers and practitioners of the craft from Australia and the U.S. They presented workshops drawing from a variety of queer, pagan, gay and queer, inclusive and exclusive, inclusive and exclusive <laughs> traditions. Zach is also an ongoing contributor for Horns Magazine, an occult and pagan homoerotic publication, which I have a couple of issues of, which is it's a very nice magazine. Uh, he has recently done his advanced training in death dealer work, where he hopes to develop further to provide end-of-life consultation and support, particularly for the LGBTQA plus community. Welcome to the show, Buck. <laughs> Hey, thank you. Uh, that that really is a long bio. <laughs> I didn't yeah. expect you to read it all, but thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so happy you were able to join me today. Uh, so today's topic is and basically it's a question that I know I've gotten quite a bit ever since mm-hmm. I you know I've been open about you know being a brother initiate of the MN path and. I'm pre- and if I remember correctly, I, some of the other brothers have told me they've had similar experiences where people from the broader uh, pagan community ask us, you know, do we follow the wheel of the year? And, mm. you know, the short answer is no, we do not. <laughs> uh, we, act- we actually have our own holy days. And I will, you know, Buck pointed out, I, in my efforts to do some, you know, boning up on, our holidays, because I've only actually ever celebrated one of them. I could not find the episode where Hyperion talked about Holy Days, and Buck just informed me which one it was, and I will be linking that also on the Facebook page. So if you want to go ahead and look it up yourself, if you search for the Unnamed Path podcast, it is episode 45. And it's a very short episode, but yeah, so our Holy Days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, Buck, how, I think, how many of our holy days have you celebrated yourself? Like I said, I've only actually um, done one, and I've only done it once. And it's my own yeah. fault for not you know, keeping up with the practice. Look, um, I, actually looking at it, I've celebrated in some way four of the five. So I, I'm doing pretty well. Um, uh, part for me is obviously uh, being the only initiate in Australia. So uh, it, it makes some of these a little bit more difficult, but uh, it's been good because I've been able to improvise a little bit um, with the structure and setup. And also I, I've got a, a beautiful um, friendship network uh, uh, within the broader witchcraft community and I do have a lot of more ecstatic-based uh, practitioners of the craft in my world. So working with some of these techniques are actually close in alignment with some of how they work. So assistance in trance journey and uh, seership work. Uh, I've got people I can call on for that tending role and things like that. So that's been pretty good. But um, 
yeah, and, and some of them I've just had to go completely solo and and, and improvise the the best way I can. But yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, just just so people know, the holy days of the unnamed past are we we have five of them. Four of them are public. Mm-hmm. We view them as community as service to our community, and then we have a fifth one which is. Uh, we call it our circle of mysteries, and it is only for unnamed past brothers. It is our mm. private one, so we won't we we won't talk too much about that one, uh, unnamed past thing. So we won't talk too much about that. Uh, yeah. Our other holidays are, and I'll name them right here. They're, these are in no particular order, because then we will explain that in a little bit why they're in no particular order. Uh, circle of sight, circle of bones, circle of light and circle of blessing. And do you want to go into you know, what each one of those are about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I was thinking, uh, should we uh, talk a little bit about why we don't necessarily follow the traditional wheel of the year or along that line? Because yeah. um, yeah, that's the first thing that people ask me uh, is go, well, why? Well, why do you? Know, why don't you just slot into the rest of sort of neo Wicca and and yep. um, more paganism? True. Yeah, um, part of that I think, for from my perspective, is very much because the will of the year, uh, you know, it, it's been pieced together and very much um, put together through a Wiccan structure and perspective. And yes, mm-hmm. it borrows concepts um, and ideas from uh, Celtic and Germanic uh, uh, origins as well. But um, the actual structure of the Wheel of the Year as we sort of know it, sort of the eight points, is actually relatively new. Like, it's actually not this this grand ancient (laughs) um, wheel that's been going since the dawn of time. uh, It just has been pieced together and, and, and it maps up quite well. But the main thing with the Wheel of the Year is that it tells a story of the sacred marriage of the god and the goddess. Mm. And, you know, it's the marriage, it's the the fertility-focused, birthing-focus. Um, and obviously for us in our tradition, um, our focus isn't about a a heteronormative uh, relationship um, or focus necessarily around fertility and birthing rights. Um, so that's, that's a very short answer as to why we don't um, associate directly with that. Um, but yeah, I, I remember listening to this podcast and um, really being so inspired by the fact that it wasn't just associated to arbitrary calendar days or just sort of piggybacking on top of the wheel of the year, that our holy days are actually about us being in tune with the land around us. And like here in Australia, you know, obviously the wheel of the year is flipped um, for Australia because obviously the wheel of the year, as we understand it, most of it, most of that really comes from uh, British traditional witchcraft and Wicca and the structure of Wicca. And uh, here in Australia, our seasons are really quite different. And uh, when you look at sort of even Australian druidry, there's a lot more of a move away from the traditional wheel of the year and actually more of an agricultural uh, wheel of the year. Um, and actually looking at, at, our, uh, at what's happening in our land and being in more in tune with that. And that's what really spoke to me. Um, and mm-hmm. some of our holy days, I actually celebrate 
can celebrate twice. Because here in Australia, we actually have two very solid death seasons. Well, the part of Australia I'm in and many parts of Australia. Um, we have the, the cold winter death and we also have the, the dry fire death as well. Mm. So, so, yeah, I, I remember being quite excited by the fact that we've got an opportunity to really work with the nature spirits, connect with the land. And obviously, you know, uh, my own practice in my ecstatic witchcraft practice or shamanic witchcraft practice is about being in tune with the cycles of nature and the uh, nature spirits and spirits of the land around me as well. So being able to be true to that and connect with that and commune with that in our sacred holidays is really quite special um, for me. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm coming back to your question. I sort of derailed, <laughs> right, didn't I? Um, I, I, I was just going to say, you know, I, from my perspective, it seems it seems like we often forget that a lot of what. Let me rephrase that. How do I want to phrase that? <laughs> when oftentimes when I find myself talking about you know what we do in the unlaid path, I find myself not really talking about how we also do a lot of work with the land. Everyone seems really focused on the ancestor work or uh, working with spirits and whatnot. And I, I, I feel like I often forget, and I don't know if it's the case with other people, we forget to talk about how much we're supposed to be also in tune with where we are, with uh, the genus loci of where we live and being really just in tune with our surroundings, you know, being in tune with mm-hmm. nature. And mm-hmm. yeah, when you were talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that's so true. Because I, I, in order to really celebrate our, our holy days, you need to be in tune with mm-hmm. the spirits of the land. Because that's yeah. how you figure out when you celebrate what. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it does bring us back to that, you know, that that core fundamental idea of the microcosm and the macrocosm. You know, uh, what is happening in our greater world is a reflection of ourselves and also a reflection of the divine in that. So uh, you're quite right. Too often there's either a focus just towards the deities uh, or just towards uh, the ancestral part, but then our daily connection to the cycles of life and the connections of life around us and death around us that are found in the land and the spirits of the middle world uh, are really a huge part which you know again I find uh, there's often conversations about journeying uh, you know to the underworld or to the upper world and sometimes that I, I find a bit of a, a lack of conversation whether it's being done or not um, a lack of conversation around journey of the middle world and uh, not walk, going up or down the world tree, but uh, traveling directly through the middle of it and finding that energy space and communing with spirits of plants and things like that. Now, I, I do a lot of herb crafting, so talking to spirits of plants and having allied plants that I work with is a huge part of my practice as well. I work a lot with essential oils and things like that. So um, 
that that's part of my daily language. So I think also I come from uh, a bit of an agricultural uh, family. You know, my father was, uh, uh, you know, a hobby farmer and my family's in winemaking as well. Uh, my mum's a naturopath and uh, my grandfather was a herbalist. So, you know, I've got all these little bits and pieces that it's just in my blood that we connect with land. Um, so, yeah, that's why it sort of sung to me so strongly. These holidays really mm-hmm. jumped out and made so much sense. And like the fact that you can celebrate one of the one of the holy days twice in a year mm. is you know just a testament of how much you have to be in tune with the land. Yeah. So like we said before, there is no set time for celebrating any of our circles. You know, you have to be in tune with the land, and it makes me think I need to take some time soon and actually figure that out for myself. You know, mm. when I need to celebrate those things here in Texas especially here in North Texas, because it's different. You know, even though I'm in Texas, it's going to be different in my part of Texas than it is going to be in, like, Houston or South Texas or East Texas. Yeah. Well, uh, well uh, let, should we go through uh, the different holidays and sort of share a little bit about the associations? I know it, uh, I sort of derailed it a little bit, but um, I just I, I, well, I no, wanted to fine. express a little bit for people why they understand the difference there. But, um, well, so no, but we've got that, our... Yeah, that was, mm-hmm. Actually, very a very good derailment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we've, we've got our circle of blessings. Um, uh, so the circle of blessings is uh, takes place when the crops are generally being planted in your area. So if you've got an area that grows multiple different types of crops that grow at different seasons, you can, again, celebrate that one at various uh, times of year. For... Us, uh, there's lots of wheat that's grown. So for us, our sowing time for the uh, wheat is actually generally uh, around uh, mid-April, so April to May. Uh, so that's uh, really just past. And so that that time of the year is when we look at planting new potential, new opportunity, and that ties into our circle of blessings where. Um, the uh, brothers will get together um, in a group and actually perform a service to community where they actually enter into a half trance and will be able to journey uh, on behalf of people in the community who are seeking ways to bring about uh, their goals for the year or things that they're wanting to achieve. So basically the things that they're planting in their own life that they want to come to fruition, us uh, as uh, uh, Brothers of the Unknown Path will actually do a half trance journey and travel through the spirit realms and actually find uh, uh, information and uh, seek uh, uh, either um, opportunities that that person might have to be able to help make it come about. There might be uh, something that uh, we'll come back and ask them to actually make or uh, set them a task that they have to achieve and with doing that task uh, that is assigned by the spirit realm that will help to bring about their goals for the year. Have uh, Circle of Blessings one that you've done yourself, Buck? I haven't done a Circle of Blessings out of all of them. That's the one that I actually haven't done. Um, uh, for, for me, some of this really comes down to opportunity, as I said, sort of being the the only um, uh, brother here. But it's, it is it is one that I, I 
I can actually see how I could do it. Um, in all honesty, this April that just passed for me, like our uh, our seed sowing time is literally just finished, and I, it was a very busy time for me. And funnily enough, I was caught up doing lots of sowing <laughs> events. So <laughs> the, it is one of those uh, spikes of the uh, spokes of the wheel of the year that um, does speak to me, and um, it, it doesn't actually correlate directly for me with our, our circle of bones that actually doesn't fit with Samhain for me um, the circle of blessings actually fits at that time uh, funnily enough mm-hmm. how about yourself yeah. I've been trying to trying to remember because I the one circle that I have really like been immersed in um, I've been trying to remember which one it was exactly and I was, for some reason, I was thinking it was Circle of Blessings, but no, I think it was actually Circle of Sight. And now, the more I think about it, the, you know, I'm reading over, like, the requirements for it, I'm like, yeah, it sounds definitely more like the Circle of Sight. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and, the, well, well the Circle of Sight. I'd be able to do a Circle of Blessings because, one of, you know, it says, you know, when crops are being planted. And... I live in a very urban area, so mm-hmm. we don't really do a lot of crop planting here. I mean, I guess there are, like, good times, like, if you have a little garden, you know, good yeah. times to plant those. Definitely. That would be something yeah. to think about. Yeah, a good thing for uh, urban areas, because I, too, uh, live in quite an urban area, but luckily, I, you know, I do have opportunities for some gardening myself, and, uh, I, there, you know, there's lots of sort of farming and agricultural area not too far from our urban zones here in Melbourne. Uh, a good thing that uh, I recommend people doing for that kind of thing is uh, researching what the local plants are of the area. So is there a certain plant that is native, a certain species that's mm-hmm. native to, to your area um, or a, a form of crop that was traditionally grown in your area historically before, you know, the big sort of apartments and uh, houses went up. What, uh, when it was an agricultural land, what kind of uh, agriculture was there? So there's a way of tapping into that and also that connecting with the ancestors in that land as well, because even though it isn't practiced today necessarily, it actually is part of the heritage. So there's opportunities to look at it there. Um if you play a bit more with sort of uh, urban and um, borderline chaos approach, you could even just simply have a look at um, the type of common weeds that sprout up and, uh, and, and jump up in your area, it just sort of between the footpaths or things like that. Or if you've got um, mm-hmm. local, uh, like local council do local gardens or they tend to sort of, you know, uh, plant flowers that will, will come about and they plant the bulbs that will come out in spring, things like that you can work with as well. Um, even though mm-hmm. it's it's quite contrived, it's still connected to your space and your place. It is part of, uh, you know, the macrocosm of the microcosm. So it, you can tap into it that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. You know, for my area, I know... Probably a good time to look would be when they open the arboretum, like when they open it for the new flowers that they have planted and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Sometimes the, we we do have to get a little creative in our uh, in our yeah. urban sprawl to sort of 
find that 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 energy to nature and like you were saying before that that's also part of that detachment which happens because uh, our understanding of and connection to nature is sometimes just a few trees that line the streets and that's it or you know the little park that's <laughs> you know all very you know pruned back and kept green um, so uh, sometimes to actually find that raw uh, free uh, real wild essence of nature um, is sometimes harder to tap into in that way. So uh, nature always finds a way. So that's where I do like to have a look at, you know, is there a moss growing or is there, you know, weeds that regularly pop up in a certain part of, of the city and things like that are, are really quite interesting to look at. So our next circle is the circle of light. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. holy day, it takes place when the rains start to come or when annual disease epidemics start. So like whenever flu season hits would be a good time for circle of light. And um, in this holiday, uh, the brothers will, it's basically an energy healers gathering holiday. Uh, the brothers mm-hmm. will get together in a circle and engage their capacity to love, uh, to connect energetically and to create a circle of light for any member of the community who wishes to enter the circle and receive healing, uh, maybe as preventative from sickness or, you know, if they're just feeling kind of poorly, receiving energy like that. Have you yourself done a circle of light? But... Um, I, I, not a circle as such, again, <laughs> but I have actually um, uh, performed a healing session within the structure. So uh, mm-hmm. I did work with our structure of you know, uh, raising the crossroads, inviting in uh, ancestors and particularly those uh, elements that I work with in healing, also incorporating oils of plants that I have an allyship with that help in healing practices um, and simply just done a, a one-on-one um, healing session. So really it was, uh, that, that was the main focus of it. Um, our healing practice out of the, the four areas of the path. That is actually something that um, uh, Matthew has actually assigned me, funnily enough, to to really delve deeper into because it's one of those areas that um, I actually started to develop a little bit of a block over. And, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I'm a second level Reiki practitioner and I've worked in healing modalities for a, a lot of my professional career. And when it came to actually energy healing, I actually pulled back from it a while back and have actually been doing a lot of work to unblock those channels and re-enter into that. So um, doing that circle of light was actually a great little um, uh, process for that for me. And it's something that I'm actually looking forward to uh, finding an opportunity to do a larger structure of it uh, as we, we would look to do with the brothers. I'd love to experience a, a group of brothers all directing and charging through our energy healing system, um, a healing process for those people that come into the circle. Uh, it's actually, it really seems to be one of the most beautiful um, uh, of our holidays. I really, uh, I have quite a, uh, a real, um, just love association with this holiday um surprisingly um for someone who is actually quite blocked to it so yeah it's uh, quite a special mm. one how about yourself 
Have you done this one yeah, um, yourself? I've done this one kind of. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, I was, I have had you know friends in the past, usually around times when uh, people are getting kind of sick, either mm-hmm. you know, ask for some healing energy, you know, be like, you know, any any good thoughts, any positive energy you want to send me. I don't want to get sick or you know someone who was feeling kind of sickly who was close to me, I would you know, do, since it was just me, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. what you were saying, I would do a very basic one with, you know, channeling the energy of the ancestors and the like goddess into mm-hmm. doing good health for the person, you know, blocking, trying to, you know, do what I can to help block anything that would be coming on and, mm-hmm. You know, we have, uh, you know, doing, you know, certain, like, doing some energy symbols and whatnot on them to try to, you know, do what I could to prevent the onset of anything. Mm. Yeah, with a circle of light, the good thing, um, uh, what I really enjoy about the concept of this, but I haven't been able to do, is, is the idea of having literally a circle formed by the brothers and, uh in that circle we actually generate through our capacity to love and um, through our healing energies and symbols we actually literally fill that circle with light and then members of the community can actually enter through that circle and literally be bathed in that healing energy and uh, um, the brothers actually hold and run the energies through each person who comes through. So it literally is like walking through a giant ball of healing light. Um, that, that, that's how I uh, sort of see it myself. And, and that's why I really loved the opportunity to experience this um, uh, with the brothers at some point. So, yeah, I've just got to get to uh, the stage a little bit more. <laughs> when you were describing that, uh, it made me think back to when I was going through my initiation my initiation, my um, training, my mm-hmm. apprenticeship. Part of the apprenticeship is you have, there's at least two in-person classes, and during my first mm-hmm. in-person class, uh, I think I, if I remember correctly, I think I was the only student that was there, but it was oh. me, Chase, Fink, Billy Cliff. I, I want to say there was someone else, and I'm, oh, I'm, oh my God, I'm blanking on, on his name. Yeah, it's been one of those days, and I'm just like, why can't I remember? It was Kim. Kim. Maybe it was Kim. Might have, might have been Kim. <laughs> and we did a healing circle type thing, if I remember correctly. I could be making it up. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but I, I do remember doing something similar, and just the, just the energy in the room just buzzing from it. Oh, that's amazing. So the the next circle that we've got is uh, the circle of bone, and um, and this is the one that I was actually referring to that uh, we can clearly do in Australia twice a year in in various parts of Australia more so than others. But um, this is the holiday uh, that we celebrate when death begins to roam the land. Um, so this is where you really start to see. You know, the leaves falling from the tree and there's a clear state of death in um, in the land around you. So for us, um, 
autumn is actually still uh, for us. It's actually quite here in Victoria, where I am in Melbourne. It's actually still quite a dance time of year. So we we actually have some death but we actually have lots of life come through at this stage as well because of the rains we actually get lots of native mosses and uh, things like that grow so it's actually um yes there's signs of death but not the true death current that uh, i believe we seek to feel um for this for us here in melbourne for me it actually happens more in the winter stage um, where we actually have the, the trees are bare, uh, nothing can survive the frost, it's that cold, where we actually do have that snap in the air, that sharpness, that's actually the first kiss of death in a way. So that's what I look to feel um, and actually seeing the leaves, the leaves actually being burnt by the frost or um, actually seeing that nothing can actually survive because the ground has hit that point of cold. So that's where I see the real point of death come through in the land. So that first, that first sharp wind is um, the first breath that I feel of death in that season. And then on the other side, uh, when we do go through our really, really hot summers here, um, it hits a point where the land is literally scorched. Nothing can grow. Everything goes brown and dies because it is that hot in certain parts. And here in Melbourne, um, we do tend to get a, a good amount of rain here and there, but then there's definitely those cycles of pretty much every sort of third or fourth year, we'll actually find that uh, we have a very, very hot summer that actually does burn a lot of the land and very little survives. So that's our second death phase. So they're the two times that um, I look for for the circle of bones. Um, and uh, did you want to explain the circle of bones, Michael, what we do? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and explain. So the circle of bones, it, uh, I'm trying to get, get my thoughts together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in the circle of bones, a brother will enter basically a half trance. And the community will form a circle and ask, Questions of those who are those who have been who are dearly departed, those who have passed, and the brother who is taking off taking on the role as a death walker will seek out the spirit of the person who has passed and see if they are wanting to respond and basically be a medium between those who are living and those who have passed and trying to you know bring you know the communities uh, trying to bring what's the words I'm looking for kind of like uh, giving a last chance for a farewell for someone who has deceased someone who has deceased and I'm trying to remember if there was something about this only working with those who have passed within the year I want to say I remember that from a class but I could be wrong yeah uh, within the year is making sure that their names are, are said and honored through this, that's not necessarily that they're the only ones that you would contact during that time, um, mm-hmm. but that they are definitely uh, a key part of the honouring um, is uh, uh, saying their names and bringing them into the circle to actually uh, help assist the opportunity for contact, um, but also so they uh, it can be heard those farewells um, uh, from 
members of the community who were there. So yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a form of uh, spirit contact, and there's various ways of doing this too. Um, uh, uh, I myself will actually uh, do the work with uh, working with the skull and actually do more of a tapping the bone um, process with it, and through that also uh, the messages sometimes will I'll hear. And then sometimes it will actually be through divination a process that helps me communicate that information. So it will either be runes or even uh, tarot cards. Um, I myself am not the best tarot reader, but luckily some of the dead are. <laughs> and <laughs> and they actually give me um, very clear communication through those tools um, as well. Uh, but as I said, sometimes it's just uh, very direct for me um, in that process. And yeah, it's quite a, a beautiful offering to be able to bring to community. Um, uh, through my experience, I've actually had some really quite profound um, opportunities to, to help people connect. Um, and, yeah. This is one holiday that I have not done myself. And I want to say mm-hmm. it stems from... What's the word? It stems from a... Not so much a lack of confidence, but a lack of... Maybe it is a lack of confidence that <laughs> I can, you know, that the spirit would want to talk through me to, you know, give uh, anyone a message. I that was always yeah. something I had an issue with, you know, letting yeah. people speak through. But it's something that I know I need to work on. Yeah, look, there's a lot of pressure that you feel at that time, but also understanding that. Um, you know, I have been in a situation where someone's very clearly wanted to speak to a particular person, and that's not to say they're going to show up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes uh, it, it can just be a few very sparse uh, words that will come through, uh, and other times it's like, oh, the room's packed and everyone wants to have a say. And you, you're actually trying to piece apart uh, multiple um, conversations at once in in a way and that's also uh, a lot of where I work with my spirit guides to really help come in and keep everyone in order like you know, <laughs> you know keep everything uh, at least in line yeah. as much as they can but um but I, I actually uh, I hear what you're saying there Michael very much so uh, that that pressure you feel uh, feel to be able to go oh uh, you know I, I need to make sure I can make contact with this person for that for that person or, or with anyone you know, sometimes the the spirit's just having very quiet days, and and it takes a, a a deeper journey and more energy to call um, louder and further to be able to to bring them through, um, and that's obviously working with the the times of year where death is present in the land that makes that easier. It thins that veil for us, um, but that mm. pressure is yeah, it, it can be uh, overwhelming at times, and. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's you know it's just one of those things we go. I'm happy to assist, but not be the one doing it. And um, and, and yeah, I, I can definitely identify with that myself. And that was one, two, three, four. Yeah, this is the last one. So the last circle that we're going to talk about is uh, the circle of sight. Uh, mm-hmm. This holiday, this holiday takes place at the peak of the year, and. You know, for you, you're, you'll have to determine when that is specifically. Um, and, you know, with this holiday, 
this one, this is actually the one I have done in depth. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually did this one during my initiation, not I keep wanting to say initiation process, during my apprenticeship process. Um, mm-hmm. And this is one where you actually need quite a few brothers in order to do it. Um, uh, for this one, you will have a brother who enters a half trance and acts as a as a prophet, as a seer, and you know, the community will gather and you know come you know, approach the seer and ask them a question, um, you know, one at a time to see. What's the word I'm looking for? To see, you know, ask them questions on issues and problems, stuff that they want to, you know, work on in the year to come. Just um, various stuff. And like I said, this is the one that I participated in during my apprenticeship process. Um, we actually did this as a uh, big ritual at our Samhain gathering here in Texas. Uh, and if I remember correctly, we had two brothers who were acting as the seer, hmm. and two of us were acting as because you know when you do a lot of channeling, a lot of a lot of work, you get tired, so you have to have a couple of brothers there to you know give you energy. And so that's that's what my role was during this. I was giving Chase energy while he was acting as a seer, and we had another brother hmm. who was you know kind of orchestrating the whole thing. So took five of us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, how, how many um, uh, people of community did you did you have that uh, they were uh, doing the service for? So we kind of thought it'd only be like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. They were doing it for two hours. Wow. So that that is a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> It was basically everyone who attended the event showed up for this. Wow. Which was because it was something new. They had never heard of this, had ever heard of it before. A lot of people got a lot of really good advice from this. Because the brother who was acting as a seer will journey into the upper world, the middle world, the underworld, looking for the answer for the person who is approaching them. Yeah, it's. Um, it's- Quite an incredible um, technique to witness. Um, I've practiced this myself, but unfortunately not in the full structure of a, a, a large circle, but just a, a small gathering. Um, I think that was about four uh, of us, including, um, oh, uh, five of us, including uh, the tender, so the person that was there helping just provide energy and support for me and helping me, um, guiding me into the state and there to bring me out and, uh, and just maintain the balance of my energy. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't two hours, but even that, you know, it, 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 does, um, it does take a, a fair bit of uh, effort to actually sort of go through that journey and release. Um, it's surprising just how much energy it does sort of burn up and, you know, just how hungry you are after uh, that kind of work as well. So, um, yeah, but uh, it, it is a great technique and one which I really enjoy, that more of that oracular um, process, that veiling um, oracular process and being able to, to have the, you know, uh, straddle the hedge 
um, let's say, you know, one foot in this world, one foot in the other, and being able to send, uh, you know, the second skin out or the fetch uh, self through that spirit realm to actually find those answers in those multiple realms. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot of work, but um, it, it, some great things come out of that. Oh, okay. And for, for us, pick... Oh, sorry. Yep. What are you going to say? I was saying for our peak of the year, um, it, it's funny because sometimes for me, I've been trying to measure where that is. And uh, last time it happened, it, it kind of, I noticed just really quickly. It's like, oh, hold on. You know, everything's in full bloom. Like right now, it feels like the earth is just busting with life and you know this, every day is a beautiful day at the moment you know every plant seems to have a flower on it everything is full and rich and it was kind of just one of those moments where I kind of just woke up one day and looked outside it's like oh oh hold on that's now isn't it <laughs> and uh, and I was able to quickly organize um, not that same day but within uh, a, a few days or a few weeks um, you know to be able to do that offering so yeah, sometimes it's um, yeah, it's, you can't sort of mark it on the calendar as such. Going, hey, yep, every every day in this year it's going to happen. No, it will it will happen in a variety of ways in your area as well. So again, being in tune to that and being open to when that is is quite important to find what that peak of the year is for you and the environment around you. Now, the, the other you know part of this of this show. You were going to uh, talk about how we we already talked about you know the circle of the unknown path. Mm-hmm. I know we talk a little bit why we don't really celebrate the wheel of the year. Are there any of mm-hmm. the yeah. statuses or it's about that you still follow? Because here's the thing: because we are initiates of the unknown path, we are brothers of the unknown path. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we don't have to follow the wheel of the year. They, we have exactly. lots yeah. of brothers who still follow it. Uh, yeah. I. I do a, one or two of the status myself, but you know we have this, we have that in addition to our holidays. So, yeah. Which one? What do you uh, do you follow, any? Yeah, um, Samhain, uh, which we just had here in the Southern Hemisphere, um, uh, is one that I regularly still uh, will still do, and with that practice, I it depends on. Who I'm celebrating it with, um, whether we sort of do a dumb supper or do uh, like within reclaiming community, uh, whether we either do a dumb supper or we uh, do sort of a, a circle honouring uh, our ancestors. Um, I also do some private practice for that. I also I do include the ancestors of men who love men in that, but I also uh, spend a lot of time connecting with uh, my ancestors of blood through that time. And also uh, any of the lost and forgotten dead as well. So I actually do sort of a threefold um, process through that. But it, it was interesting because this year I, I was trying to sit quite intuitively of going, okay, when does this happen for me? Because our the reclaiming um, celebration ritual happened on one date, which was the full moon. And then you've got the calendar date, which is uh, for one thing. And then you've got the astrological date. <laughs> and, and they were actually three separate times. And I was actually going, how do I, how do I space this? And I just thought, just, just sit and listen. And I thought, okay, on the calendar date, I'll do the ancestors of the blood and do it then. And then before I knew it, you know, I had 
my spirit guides and the ancestors of the men who love men all tapping on the shoulders like, okay, where this little, little ritual that I was planning for myself uh, one hour turned into like a three and a half hour or four hour um, whole hoopla. Oh. So, <laughs> so that one I celebrate. Um, also, uh, I do celebrate uh, occasionally midwinter and midsummer, but um, sometimes they actually, as I said, do tie into my circle of bones more so. So I actually uh, will feel more of a pull to go this way or that there. So how about yourself? Well, for me, I definitely, I definitely do Samhain, but mm-hmm. it's more, you know, I will honor ancestors. I, I have one of, one of my, pro- one of the projects that's given to me by the dark goddess was, you know, having a constant ancestor altar. Mm-hmm. And however yeah. I chose to envision it, and I actually have, have it as my ancestor wall. I have pictures of mm-hmm. those who have, who I honor up on the wall, yes. and they are actually above, like, one of my altars, so I have it like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I've also, when I started on my journey into the Unknown Path and doing the Ancestor Altar, it started getting me a bit more reconnected with um, my cultural aspects of Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. which yeah. fall right after that one. Um, yeah. So, you know, during that time, you know, been getting more into doing research on that and how I would, you know, how I would do, celebrate that myself. Actually, I talked to some of our other brothers a while back about how I was kind of reclaiming that holiday for myself because when my family came over to the U.S., my grandmother, uh, when I say my, when my grandparents came over, they kind of left a lot of stuff in Mexico, they didn't really bring anything over. And I don't know if they ever really celebrated these things in Mexico. Mm. But my mother never celebrated this as far as I know. And when she was raising me and my siblings, she, it was never something that she was like, oh, you know, this is this. It was oh, that's something they do over in Mexico. So mm. being an adult mm. now and being in the Unlink Path has helped me reconnect with that part of my culture and with the cultural phenomenon of of the movie Coco, that has really mm. come up <laughs> in a lot of people. Yeah, you know, being like, you know wanting to reclaim yeah. this. So, but yeah, I do. Uh, I do celebrate Samhain, but uh, you know, I do it a little bit with the others more so. Uh, do occasionally celebrate Beltane. Yep. And I will do Midsummer because I normally go to pagan spirit gatherings, and they the right. whole purpose of the gathering is built around Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And Yule, uh, that's pretty much the ones that I focus on the most. I will, if someone says, oh, or stars this weekend, I'm like, oh, okay. It, but nothing really pops in my head to go out and do a, a ritual for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny. I um, I kind of treat, treat it a little bit like, you know, you, you, lots of um, witches and pagans will still celebrate Christmas and, and Easter, uh, you know, and the... Uh, lots of those holidays in the broader overculture as well. And they kind of just go along with them and you know, still find the fun and celebration in it. Um, and that's also sometimes how I feel my connection with the Wheel of the Year. It's because I am part of uh, a broader network of um, pagans and witches and, um, you know, and about 50% of them also do work within that structure. Uh, so it's just a way to sort of join in with them and be part of that. 
um, where Samhain I do kind of connect with personally with that energy as well. So that's why I still celebrate that. But Beltane, if I'm just happen to be around when there's a, a, a Beltane festival going on or a, a celebration, yeah, I'll get involved. But for us, that also falls on Halloween for us. So uh, I tend to actually focus more on Halloween during that time of year. Um, but yeah, similarly to yourself, I, I have separate altars and I do have uh, one that's completely dedicated to the ancestors and uh, ancestors of men who love men. But I do have little pieces there also um, of ancestors of blood. And like yourself, I've got pictures of Mighty Dead and all that with that. And that is a weekly um, practice that I tend to. Um, and then I've got my main altar, which is my working altar. And that's where yeah. I do a lot of my devotionals and my devotionals happen, you know, throughout the month, um, every month. Uh, so I've got that practice as well as the circles. I, I, I feel I'm busy enough. I don't need another eight spokes of the wheel <laughs> of a year to, to uh, throw into that as well. But, um, yeah. You know, when, when you were saying about um, how, you know, some pagans look at like Christmas and Easter and because of the overculture and, you know, how some of us in the past do that with the wheel of the year and whatnot. You know, it, it makes me, I, how am I wanting to say this? It makes me think of the wheel of the year as kind of like times when those, cause, you know, a lot of pagans are so solitary. And I know mm-hmm. that you know, when the wheel of the year, like the Sabbath myths, but are the only time they really get together with other pagans. So mm. I yeah. definitely see how, you know, the different holy days can draw people together, how they are very much still important for the overculture of, you know, the grand pagan mm. overculture, if there is if there's such a thing, because they're, we're all so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, obviously because of the structure that's been handed through um, and made popular uh, through uh, British Wicca, which, you know, sort of mm-hmm. uh, weaved its way into, you know, neo-paganism and things like that. So a lot of people still do think that that's, that's all there is. <laughs> so there's a lot of reclaiming of that that's happening. There's, here in Australia, definitely... And I've seen online too, there's a big voice about recognising that, you know, Wicca is one thing and it's a religion and not all witches follow Wicca or even have a religion um, of witchcraft and how that affects and ties into holidays is a whole other um, aspect. So there's a, a lot more understanding of that, but still that sort of, in a way, I don't want to say lip service to the holidays, but as you said, it's kind of like when people get together for Christmas. It may not be for the reasons of uh, the religious connections to it, but more just an opportunity to get together with family. And I, that's actually how I, I find some of uh, the Wheel of the Year in my connection. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to sort of unpack further, I think. I'm trying to think of something else that we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we can't talk about the circle of mysteries. Well, um, yeah, uh, but yeah, look, it, I think, um, I think there's a lot of empowerment uh, for us as gay men um, or men who love men, um, uh, connecting with the unknown path of being able to find our ways of celebration, where we find reflections of ourselves and our experience through nature, 
through life around us that reinforces that we are indeed connected to nature. We are natural. Uh, we are part of the cycle of life. Um, you know, because a, a lot of what gets placed upon us sometimes in our own shaming of self and sometimes just because of a heteronormative uh, 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 culture surrounding us, we kind of sometimes find it hard to see our place in the natural order of the continuation of life um, and in how we can offer to community and how we are part of broader community um, and also where we see reflections of the divine aspects within ourselves in nature. Um, so there's so much empowerment I find from uh, these holidays and the way we go about them um, is really quite beautiful. And again, tapping into uh, our our callings and our gifts through healers and seers and prophets and uh, spellcrafters. You know, um, I, I really find it's such an empowering uh, uh, collection of holidays or holy days, um, as Hyperion uh, states it. Yeah, I, I was, I was just thinking about how we, we have such a unique opportunity because our tradition is only eleven years old now. Eleven years old. Yep. And and we have our own holy days within that. But I was also, you know, thinking about how there are those who, other you know, men who love men or other queer individuals who are you know, still within the overstructure that most pe- modern paganism has adopted, like the wheel, like we said, the wheel of the year, uh, have been trying to queer those holidays, those Saturdays. Uh, I was actually, before the show, I was uh, flipping through uh, the, and, and, uh, that queer magic anthology that uh, I submitted a paper to, which oh, is in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve, Kinston? I believe that was his name. I could, I believe it's Kinston. Actually, one of the articles that he had in there was on querying the uh, wheels of the year. The wheel of the year. Mm-hmm. And he gave it some different aspects. Because, like we said before, the wheel of the year is all, it's mainly about you know telling the story of the cycle of death and rebirth of you know, the god with the goddess. Mm-hmm. And with each one of the holidays, he had a queer aspect to it. Like, I'm trying to Lamas was coming out. Um, mm-hmm. And gosh, uh, the book is over in the other room, and I would let him grab it. But um, <laughs> I will, <laughs> I would, I'll just say, if you want to read more about that, I would recommend getting the anthology of my my brain must be just mush because I can't think of <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, congratulations on um, oh. getting uh, your work published in that too by the way and it's getting uh, great reviews I've seen it sort of pop up quite a bit of um, uh, being very well um, uh, taken to by uh, community and uh, the broader network of um, witches and pagans so it's yeah a wonderful um put out there so thank you very much for for being part of it too oh thank you here this is the thing queer magic power beyond boundaries um which you can get through amazon um lots of amazing work in there um 
But uh, let's see. I you know, I think if you don't have anything else to say, I think we might go ahead and call it the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, well, thank you so much for for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for joining me. You know, you're the only person who called in. I'm very grateful <laughs> that you called in. <laughs> um, do, you have, do you have any things coming up? Um, but like anything you want to advertise or share? Um, oh, look, uh, uh, at the moment, um, main thing that I'm sort of uh, working with at the moment here in uh, Melbourne, we've got Pride Network event that I'm taking part in for Idaho, uh, which is the um, International Day Against Homophobia. Um, uh, and uh, I'm actually speaking hey, on a panel. Yeah, uh, it's Idaho Day. So it's an uh, International Day Against Homophobia um, uh, event. So basically, I'm, I'm actually speaking on a panel with a, an imam, a vicar, and um, a representative of the inclusive Jewish uh, community and myself uh, representing um, uh, queer pagan men and also as a brother of the unnamed past, we're actually uh, doing a panel on inclusive spirituality and religion uh, for the LGBT uh, IQ A plus community. So that's going to be quite exciting. So I'm talking on that on a panel on Wednesday, which is really cool. And other than that, I'm really focusing for Stone and Stang. Um, so that's, I don't know, we've still got a few months away, but there's a lot of work going in behind the scenes um, with the Brothers of the Path. We've got a wonderful team behind it and uh, really got some incredible uh, things happening for Stone and Stang. So I think in future episodes, you've got some people coming on to, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, we do have that coming up in a future episode, but do you want to give us a little bit of an advert for Stone and Stang? Yeah, 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 sure. So uh, Stone and Stang is uh, a spiritual gathering um, that's uh, hosted by the Brothers of the Unnamed Path. So it is actually open for uh, all uh, uh, male-identified men who love men, uh, who want to either explore or share or uh, practice a network within uh, the broader spiritual and pagan community. Um, it is a men-only event. Uh, it is uh, happening in the uh, beautiful Redwood Mountains in Santa Cruz, uh, and it's happening uh, the first week of October, I believe. I can't remember the dates off the top of my head, but I think it's around the 5th of October. Uh, you can find all the details uh, from stoneandstang.com. Uh, you can also search it on Facebook, Stone and Stang. Uh, you'll be able to find lots of information there, including the event. Uh, we've also got a, our keynote speaker for the event is Andrew Raymer, who is the author of Two Flutes Playing, uh, which is obviously a book where, which has been discussed here in the past uh, uh, on the podcast previously. Um, but uh, we're really excited to, to have him there as a keynote speaker, and uh, he's going to be uh, offering um, a, a great talk uh, with us and possibly a uh, workshop as well, which we're quite excited about. Um, outside of Ooh. that, uh, we've got a number of offerings which have been put forward uh, by a few of the brothers. I, I won't go into those yet because uh, we're still taking 
um, uh, submissions for uh, anyone who is seeking to uh, host, an, uh, host an event or a workshop or run a talk or discussion or a ritual at the event. And that's not just for Unnamed Past Brothers. If there are any um, members of the community who uh, are attending uh, who uh, feel that they, they have something that they'd like to share or offer or a workshop, uh, that they'd like to present, uh, please do put your submissions forward and um, and submissions close, I believe, the end of June. So you've still got a little while. Um, again, from our website, uh, from Stone and Stang website, you'll be able to find where you enter in your submissions there. Um, but registrations are open now, so you can register uh, now. There's a few different um, costing uh, levels depending on the accommodation choice. Uh, so you can do everything from a dorm to a camping. Uh, there's a few different options there. So the prices will uh, vary based on that as well. So, yeah, um, still a lot of work uh, to go with it, but uh, we're really excited uh, about really building uh, this year up to be bigger and better um, as we try and do every two years. Uh, it is a, um, a stone thing happens every two years at this stage. So, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful network. I, I attended... Um, the last one, and was my very first one that I attended, and it, it was really quite inspiring. You know, I was coming all the way from Australia and really uh, hadn't met in person um, uh, anyone else uh, there. So uh, I was a little bit nervous heading in, but instantly was embraced by such a beautiful community of men, um, not just within the Unnamed Path Brothers, but the other attendees who came along. It was really quite an inspiring group of men, uh, to be amongst and really quite humbling as well. Um, I was very, uh, felt very comfortable and everyone uh, felt quite embraced in a place of support and, and love there. And uh, we all walked away with a lot from not just the workshops but you know, and the talks, but actually just from that experience of uh, spending that time together and uh, going through that journey together. Awesome. Yeah. I wish I was going to be able to attend, but I I know my budget is I would not be able to make it. Uh, not this year. Hopefully, no, one of these one of these years I'll be able to make it. Yeah, well, it happens every two years, so <laughs> you can at least save up for the next one. So, <laughs> yeah, I look, I, I understand it's a, it it is it's a difficult one uh, for for myself. I obviously traveling from the other side of the world. Uh, so I recognize yeah. that, but fortunately I am in a position uh, in an opportunity where I'm, uh, I should be able to make it this year. So, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. So hopefully we'll get um, a, a really good turnout. We're getting a great response already, but uh, registrations are open. So uh, people can jump on and, and register now. Awesome. And we, I'm trying to think. At the moment, we are, you know, we are working on trying to get more guests lined up for the show. Um, we are going to have mm -hmm. Lee Harrington on ship soon. Fingers crossed I can get everything worked out uh, with him. Uh, Lee was one of the co-editors for uh, Queer Magic, uh, Power Beyond Boundaries. He's going to be on and talk to us about Sacred Kink. As soon as I can get him to date, oh, then we great. can get everything hired up. <laughs> so, wow. looking forward to that. Um, 
And I'm trying to think what else. We are going to have a couple of the brothers on to talk about uh, a little bit more in depth on uh, this year's Stone and Stang. And if you happen to know of you know anyone you'd like us to interview or like a book or anything you'd like us to review or anything within the Emily Pass you'd like us to talk about a little bit more, you know, we've just covered our, our holy days. If there's anything else you'd like for us to go a little more in depth on that we can do, please send us an email at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at facebook.com slash walkingtheunnamedpath. And I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, I will go ahead and plug um, my other show on the Payne Radio Network, All Acts of Love and Pleasure. This coming week we are going to have this coming Wednesday, we are going to have uh, the co- coordinators for the Rainbow Center at Pagan Spirit Gathering on to talk to us a little bit about the history of the Rainbow Center and its involvement with the Pagan Spirit Gathering community. And oh, and what is that date? It is May May 16th is that day. And it's going to be at 7 p.m. And then the following Wednesday on May 30th, we are actually on All Acts of Lone Pleasure. We are actually going to have on, I guess we've had on here before, um, Shane from Green Prairie Grove, which is the group that puts on uh, Between the Worlds, which is another Men Who Love Men gathering, is going to come on with one of the brothers from the Green Prairie Grove and talk to that show, which you know you can tune into since you know you are obviously listening to the Pain Spirit Radio Network. <laughs> and get some more information on the history of um, Between the World and this year's uh, event. Because, yeah, uh, Pagan Spirit Gathering is coming up in June, and then Between the World is going to be in September. Actually, I think it's like just a little bit before Stone and Stang. So. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, so have those coming up, and I believe that's it. I would normally play it with a song, but I just can't decide on a song. There's this, I've been scrolling <laughs> through trying to, trying to figure one out that you know I want to burn, want to uh, play out to, and you know it's just there's just so we have such a huge thing uh, of music, and you know something just I was scrolling through and something just popped up. Where did it go? I was like, oh, that that sounds like it. I don't know, this one just kind of speaks to me. So I'm going to go ahead and play us out with this one. This I'm going to play us out with Ginger Doll for Direction. Thank you again, uh, Buck, for being on the show. And no, thank you. I will talk to you again really soon. Awesome. Catch you later. Later. And again, this is Ginger Doll uh, for Direction.
Again, that was Ginger Doss, Four Directions. That was actually that was a really good song. I'm glad that popped like that just popped up for me when I was scrolling through. Uh, thank you again for tuning in today. You know, I hopefully you know with the new start time it wasn't that confusing for some people. Um, thank you again, Buck, for you know joining me on the show today. Uh, hopefully we'll get Matthew back uh, for our next show. And again, if you have any questions or you have any comments or if you have any suggestions, please feel free to email us at walkingunnamedpath at gmail.com or hitting us up on Facebook at walking, uh, sorry, <laughs> at facebook.com slash walkingunnamedpath. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. And yeah, have a blessed day. I've said that one like way too many times already. Let me go ahead and end the show if I can get to the ending visit. There we go. All right. Talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. Bye. Listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight.